Hey everyone, and I know it's been a while since uh, Anime News Network's Zach Burgey passed away, but I think this was the first episode we recorded after uh, that passing, and so I know we released a few since then, but I think, at least for me, this episode had a mental connection to him. Um, he was a fan of these films and sort of held a deep philosophy to them. I don't quite know what to say that hasn't already been said about him. I never had the pleasure of meeting him in person, but had followed uh, his career in this fandom for a very long time, and um, sort of drew some inspiration from his uh, transformation over the past few years. Want to hear more? Sort of. Strong. You know, a lot of people uh, bared a lot of emotion about him at his memorial, which is the final episode of the ANCAST, and I'd encourage you to listen to that. But, um, it's... Just, um, reach out to those close to you. You might not know who needs that call or that text at that moment, but it's uh, helpful to be there for them. Thank you. And we are back. Hello, all you people who are probably doing the smart thing and socially isolating. I have confidence in our limited audience. I trust that, yeah, they're by and large doing the right thing. Unless you are in different countries, in which case you're probably doing way better than we are. I think no country's doing no. I think we, we might not be the worst anymore. No? Because I saw some pretty bad stats. Depending on how you measure worst. Uh, I, th I think Brazil is, has more cases per day right now. That's right. But we also have... You know, just a constant plateau of deaths. And we've been spiking too. We had like we've we've risen back up cases per day to like over thirty thousand. Yeah, we might we might have we might hit a record again. In any case, we're not here to talk about sad things. We're here to talk about not for once. We're not here to talk about how the world's going to end and it's going to be apocalyptic. We're here to talk about how the universe is going to be a glorious, blessed place. Full of rock and roll and happiness. Our people will be excellent to each other. And party on. Yes, we are here to talk about Bill and Ted and their journeys. Yes. This is my homework. I have not seen these. I had not seen these films before, and the, uh, the third part of the trilogy is coming out very soon. Mm -hmm. It had been decades <laughs> since I had seen. No, it had been decades since I had seen the second one. I had actually just recently, within the last four months, had watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And you had no objection to doing this, and I assume you rewatched it the past like week too. Oh yeah, I rewatched re it again. My um, my wife and I rewatched both of them. She uh, she tolerated it. <laughs> most excellent. She, I think she enjoyed the first one and. She was amusedly indifferent to the second one. 
So the, I would say that's my, my perception of historically of how these films are, are perceived is that people love the first one and then have less positive opinions on the second film. Well, see, my my own, like, having watched them again, uh, fresh, I I really appreciate the second one, especially since we just watched The Seventh Seal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there, it can, it drags a little more. That's the, that's the worst part you can say about it, is it just, it drags a little more. It drags a little more, and I will say this, you can't show it in a, in a, ho- in a high school classroom as an excuse for not teaching that day. True. Which I think is how a lot of people at some point saw that first film. Except if you're doing literature and, like, literature film or something like that, where you can start talking about, like, The Seventh Seal and that shit. Because yeah. it really does parody Like, that. even in Depictions of Hell, you, there, are still, there is still this weird hike level of art to that film. It, mm-hmm. is a, it, is a, it is a harder lift, though, to teacher doesn't want to work today. Oh, look, here's this old VHS of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Pop that in. <laughs> and you can't see William Sattler as Sattler as death anywhere else that I'm aware of. Uh, I think he was. He's gonna be in the next film. Yes. And I think he was in one of the Evil Dead movies. No, not Evil Dead. The he it was a third film where he is. He plays death. I looked it up today. Is he really? Yes. Well, this is still a superior portrayal of death. Your career, fantastic job as you know Luther Sloan Death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, in, in Tales from the Crypt, he was also Death. All right. Okay, I'll buy that. I don't know if it's the same character of Death. I doubt it. <laughs> I, I don't imagine so. Well, I mean, you might have a disc of it somewhere in your house. Uh, I'm sure I do. Ninety-four. Uh, so that might be... I don't have the later seasons. I haven't procured them yet. Do you In any that, case. I mean, that could be a parrot. It could be... Obviously, I would almost bet that's a reference to the to Focus Journey at that point. It's possible. But um, no, the, the, definitely the first one, as you're saying, is more um, educational, per se. I wouldn't even say educational, but it's easier to listen <laughs> to education. It's a great like middle of June. You know, we only have a you know a few days left of class. <laughs> Let's just not work today. There's no air conditioning in this building, and, it, and it's 85 degrees out. It did fantastic. The first one did fantastically. It was uh, what a six six and a half million budget, and they were, they got 40.5 million in the box office. It's amazing. Uh, like uh, lots of people like it, it's it's worth liking. It's a it's it's in that not quite as innocent as Flash Gordon, um, but v- very innocent. There's only a couple parts that don't age well at all. Yeah, it has a little bit of you know, off aging. Absolutely, there's like the uh, I'm torn between there there there's a part in each movie where they use a derogatory term uh, regarding being homosexual that just doesn't age well at all. And I'm I'm torn between in the third movie wanting them just to not do anything about it or to do it again and have their children be like, no, 
and, and scold and educate them. I'm, I'm very torn about which one I would want. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Or like themselves address it as the characters. So like, no, we can't. We don't say that anymore. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I feel like it is less about hate from their mix and more about a, a frequently used term in that time period yeah. before people realize they shouldn't just throw around words. Yeah, it doesn't seem quite hateful, it still, but it still carries a pretty heavy burden. Absolutely. But uh, I'm very torn about which which I would prefer in, in the third movie, whether just, like, you know, have learned your lesson and move on, or address it from the first two movies and just be like, no, we can't do that anymore. Well, that was wrong. We'll find out soon enough. True. Are they, Is it actually coming, like, releasing it at theater this year, or is it more like everything else in life? Uh, Not quite. No, no idea what the initial plan is. It's currently pushed to August. Mm-hmm. So it might I know, actually go to theaters. Yeah, because I know Tenet is going to to, like, determine the, the do the temperature setting for whether things are going to get released this year or not. Mm-hmm. But we'll, yeah, we'll, <clears throat> but let's, let's talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the 1989 comedy classic. Starring Keanu yes. Reeves and Alex Winter. And George Carlin. And George Carlin. He's a, he's a significant part of it. So yes, we have um, the the very bare bones. The description of this is just that uh, in the far future, I would say twenty six eighty eight is pretty far. Yeah, it's like six seven hundred years in the future in both films. In the far future, humanity as well as the galaxy in general is a utopian society based and inspired by the great the great ones. Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, who, you know, were in, in 1989 are still in high school. But apparently, time travel is required because they come to points in their career where they need assistance. So it's almost like humanity in the utopia kind of helped itself form. <laughs> It's, ma- Although it's I do, maintenance level work. I do think that... I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that the time travel in this is all preordained. Like, it always had happened. Because it doesn't seem like anything really... Like, it seems like everything falls through as it's supposed to fall through. Yeah, it, it does seem like if we're going to try to, you know, explain the time travel theory of this film. But yeah, things always have to happen. And they happen the same way every time. So I guess the future utopia just recognizes that, oh, well, we need to go back because we always went back. <laughs> but so we we have Rufus, played by George Carlin, who comes back in his time phone booth, not to be confused with the TARDIS because it is definitely not bigger in the inside, except when you have nine people in it. Yeah, it's just a classic prank. It's a classic 1920s <laughs> prank. <laughs> You have him come back to help these teenagers finish their history presentation. Because if they do not get an A-plus on their oral presentation, 
Ted Theodore Logan will be sent to military school. Wild stallions will never form. And utop- the utopian society will not happen. Yeah. Peace shall not reign if this happens. So he comes back, gives them a time machine, which seems like it would be a bad idea. <laughs> and lets them do their thing. And they decide that the best way to do their oral presentation, since they've been provided with the time machine, is to go into various points in history, abduct famous people within those points, bring them to the present, and have them present their own interpretation. Since their since their oral report is, how would historical presences from the past view their current society? So that, that, that's bas- that's basically it. Yes, and there's hijinks that happen. Mm-hmm. They meet princesses. They have very few issues with language barriers. They manage think, to just you know visually interpret anything to anyone. They. I have trouble like pronouncing Socrates right now because I keep on saying Socrates in my brain. <laughs> because I watched this for the first time now, it, it is still Socrates. Though I, I can't. I'm not. I was not raised on this film, so I, I, my brain is not broken. <laughs> so then he's the worst that they have because he speaks, you know, ancient Greek. But weirdly, Billy the Kid does a great job at helping him translate. I love the bizarre friendship between Billy the Kid and Socrates <laughs> in the background of this film, the entire movie. Oh yeah, they're great. Like the the, like, the movie is great. It's the, it's very the whole. It's, it's this weirdly brilliant thing. Yeah, you can't take it too seriously. That would be ridiculous. But. It's really fun, especially, like, Napoleon just being this asshole who's not part of the group at any point. They get Ted's younger brother to take care of him because he's the first person he's who gives them kind of the idea of abducting these people because since he accidentally tags along. And, like, he just – he's just ridiculous for the whole movie. And that's just full of things like that, full of – Napoleon Bonaparte going to Waterloo Water Park and discovering ice cream and water slides and being a general asshole. My, my favorite is when he just cheats at bowling. For some reason, that one <laughs> is... Like, he just looks at them and marks out the strike. Adds an extra one. No, no, no. He, doesn't add, like, he adds a one to his score the, at the front. <laughs> That's right, he does. From a 43 to a 143. <laughs> Or just—it's full of shit like that. That's just fun to watch. Just little vignettes, like um, Billy the Kid and Socrates picking up girls in the, in the freaking mall, <laughs> or Genghis Khan looting a sporting goods store because he figures out that this aluminum baseball bat is much better than his heavy wooden club. Joan of Arc is running a jazzercise seminar. <laughs> That, my friend, is aerobics. Aerobics, welcome, sorry. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> Jazzercise sounds 80s. <laughs> that was more like, that's what aerobics evolved into. Uh, okay. And now it's CrossFit. Okay, got it. <laughs> but they, they end up picking up, just to give, a good, like, to give you the full list, they get Napoleon Bonaparte, Billy the Kid, Socrates, Sigmund Freud who's totally a nerd, Ludwig van Beethoven, 
Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, and Abraham Lincoln, who seems almost as an afterthought, but he steps up and delivers. They, they, a, he's a hard one to make silly, I think. He is, but they manage. And he they woo Genghis Khan into the phone booth by offering him a Twinkie. <laughs> oh, man. It was, they, they could have, like, it's just, for 90% of the movie, it is just so innocently done. Like, they didn't want to deal with serious repercussions of time travel. They didn't want to deal with realistic... Th- 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 depictions of historical figures. They just wanted to put on a fun movie. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a comedy. I think we should exceed... If you're going to get hung up on the time travel rules of a film, one, you have better things to do with your life. You can <laughs> do your laundry again. There is never a good excuse to get angry at time travel, like, stories. Because at some point, they will break their rules if they, if, if they try too hard. Yes. Although my... I think my wife's favorite part before she had seen the second one was in the first one when they realized that they could just, after the presentation, go back in time and do things. She's like, they're using time travel correctly. They do seem to get smart in time travel, especially by the second film. They're, they're time travel savants. <laughs> That's their actual skill, because they are dumb as stones. They, their only they, skill is good vocabulary. Uh, and that's the other thing my wife really enjoyed. She's just like, like at least, um, at least Bill. Bill, she's like, he has a really great vocabulary. <laughs> he should get to college alone on the 800 on his English section. <laughs> well, you just know that the lyrics of their future songs are going to be amazing. Oh, yeah, no, they will have that perfect, like, overly fluent, like, like heavy metal songs. You can't hear what the words are when you read the lyrics. <laughs> It is somehow an iambic pentameter. <laughs> oh, you'll get a kick out of this, by the way, because I was late for recording this morning because I was I got caught up in playing Dragon Warrior Eleven, and I ventured into this town. The entire town speaks in haiku. The entire town. That would be so frustrating in real life. It was. It's frustrating in the game. I'm <laughs> just like, just shut up. <laughs> Just sell me a sword, damn it! <laughs> Why is this a scent of a sin cane? <laughs> but no, so uh, and the the film ends with them having done a great. Oh, their other genius is in multimedia presentation. They do a fantastic job at not doing any stage plans, showing up five minutes late for their presentation, and just lighting up the stage. <laughs> I gotta wonder, like, how long was their original time slot for the presentation? Because that is clearly, like, a two-hour show that they put on. <laughs> well, that and with the spotlights and the... Like, just the stage work alone should have taken days to plan out. <laughs> Look, we see often in this sh- in these movies, they can do stage work immediately. I just, I think that Bill and Ted are very, they have good vocabularies, excellent vocabularies, and they have really great stage planning, and they're geniuses at time travel. They have skills, they're just not traditional skills. <laughs> it is hard to put time travel to, to good use in the year 1989. Time machines are not readily available. So you have, um, they, they, they succeed, of course they get an A+. Plus. 
Um, they Rufus gives them new, really weird-looking future guitars, and um, apparently has taken the princesses that were due to be married to old royal dudes, old ugly royal dudes, and has delivered them to the future, placed them in credit card debt. <laughs> And introduce them to Bill and Ted, and they decide that I think the princesses just think that they're now betrothed to these guys, so they just have to be with that. <laughs> and no one caught them up on the rules of society, mean that they can just do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, they're still around in the sequel. They are. I think they've learned since then. Since a proposal and marriage is actually a questionable thing in the sequel, they must have learned since then. Well, yeah, they it's had in, two years to get themselves caught up. And, you know, they can play their instruments, so they took those two years. <laughs> it succeeded at something. Yes, they know what they're doing. But in any case, so that's the end of the first movie. It's perfect as a standalone movie. It doesn't need a sequel. It's just a, a, just a fun movie that you can watch and enjoy. Uh, it does get a sequel, though. It doesn't need one, but I'm not... I, the sequel doesn't harm the first one. No. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the sequel, and I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with the third one, because they spent, like, a decade trying to figure out just the right story. Which, is, I'm, I'm glad they did take their time on it, because, you know, you could see them having just shit out some weird nostalgia piece. And that's what they said themselves in interviews. They're like, no, that this is, this is a like a spec script. We didn't want to just be like, Bill and Ted, make us some money. Yeah. And I mean, I think that both, both Alice Winter and Keanu are not in a place where they need to just do a quick film. Well, what does Alex Wonder fucking do? Oh, he's a director now. Oh, is he? Okay. Because he did a lot of documentary work. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so he's, you know, he's not not working. He's he's still busy. He was also, he's a, he's a small part in um, Avenue F- 5, if you watch that. Hmm. So, we move on to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. The occasionally start- maligned, unfairly sequel. Yes, it, I, I, it's it is maligned, but it's just because it's not it's not the first movie. It's, it's not the first movie, and I think it, people wanted to see. I think people wanted the same film twice. Right. But they got it, but not what they thought they, but not in the same way they thought they would. Yes. So they're not it's, doing it's, historical travel. No. Instead, we have we started in the future, where. As we will eventually find out, a a gym teacher that is dissatisfied with Utopia, who plays every bad guy in the late 80s and early 90s, <laughs> including the racist South African diplomat to the U.S. from Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> Josh, Josh Ackland. He, um... This, he has a, a terrorist group that takes over one of Rufus's classes, steals the time booth that he's using to bring historical presences to the future to teach, which, yeah, I guess that's where they learned it from. And um, When Bill and Ted are, are your definition of, you know, essentially founders of society, mm-hmm. the rules are fine. Yeah, so he... he they take over the time booth. He has made evil robot Bill and Ted's that he is going to send to the past 
so that he can kill Bill and Ted. Not just kill Bill and Ted, but that's what I don't get. You could just kill Bill and Ted, and everything would be, like, nothing, Utopia just wouldn't happen. Instead, he wants to kill Bill and Ted, shit on their relationships, and destroy their reputations, which they don't have one. <laughs> Look, you can't just kill baby Hitler. You, need you have to, to discredit baby Hitler, you to, too? You have to make sure that baby Hitler becomes a great artist. <laughs> so, so we were I have to look this up now because we were we were talking about this we were watching this and like there's a lot of robot plays so you have evil Bill and Ted but you also have a good robot Bill and Ted too yes and so I need to know when Terminator 2 came out because I feel like it was uh, right around the same time same year I think 91 if I'm, if I'm correct Terminator 2 came out in 91, you are correct. Bill and Ted Face the Music came out, or I'm sorry, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out in 91. So this is, this is two, two things that deal with evil robots and time travel that are just so exceptionally different that it boggles the mind they came out at the same time. Look, evil robot time travel was a thing in 91. Also, someone should do a podcast where they talk about those two films in the same episode. Please, someone who's more capable than we are do that. If we were a little smarter. God, they came out, like, in the same month, too. Right? Like, how insane is that? I knew it. I, like, my brain was just like, no, this is something. <laughs> something happened in July 91. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like, the two such disparate movies with such weirdly, like, similar, like tropes similar tropes and like a similar almost view of society like that you can make things good right except that that authority is bad in a lot of ways bill and ted are leading to a utopia and terminator 2 is just trying not to have an apocalypse you need to do both (laughs) you need people working on both on, on both tracks yes they needed to stop skynet and start Bill and Ted, the yeah. great ones. Obviously, these are, these are the same universe. <laughs> they, so, just that we've gotten better time travels, you don't have to travel naked. There you go. So, Bill and Ted um, are murdered pretty quickly. They the, the whole point of this one is not an English presentation, but it's a battle of the bands. Which has Primus in it, so as my wife pointed out, we're not quite sure how Bill and Ted are going to win over Primus, but... <laughs> but anywho. <laughs> so you, they, they need... And they're not good enough, but somehow they've been let into the Battle of the Bands. <laughs> so they proposed to the princesses. And after, just after they proposed to the princesses and their proposals are accepted, and fun fact, the princesses maintain their Middle Ages level chastity with cheek kisses and the occasional lip kisses to celebrate things, and that's it. And I find that entertaining as hell. <laughs> and evil robot Bill and Ted come, impersonate just... Different time period Bill and Ted, since Bill and Ted are dumb as posts, and this has happened to them before, that they spoke to themselves at different points in their time travel history. So they take them out into the middle of the desert and push them off a cliff and kill them. It's 
pretty. It happens pretty quickly in the movie. Yeah, like the first twenty minutes. So while ro- evil robot Bill and Ted um, ruin their reputations, um, malign them to their girlfriends, and are general assholes, actual Bill and Ted travel to hell. Well, they first possess police to like try and reveal oh, that's their story. True. They, they do try and stay around to possess the police to try and do the story, but they're, again, dumb as stones, so they, so they can't think of a good plan to do. And then they go to a seance that Missy, who's both of their stepmothers, weirdly, <laughs> uh, is holding, in which they then someone with the right fucking page of whatever text manages to banish them to hell. Yeah, they were obviously not good at doing silences, except for their demon-banishing part. Mm-hmm. They found one right paragraph. Uh, once they get to hell, um, they have met the Grim Reaper before, and he's just like, well, if you want to win your souls back to the living, you would play a game with me. Instead, they give him a wedgie, which is called a Melvin in this time period, and run away from him. But then they figure out that there is really no escape from hell, so that they will have to challenge death to a game. So they do, and death is a very sore loser, so they end up playing, like, seven games, amongst which they play Twister, Battleship, Clue, Electric Football. You have to do at least four out of seven games. Mm Mm-hmm. So they finally they finally beat him with to him just understanding that he's never gonna win a game they're suggesting. To be fair, he like all of the games are games that he should be able to win. Yes. Against the two dumbest human beings. Hey, I don't know how he doesn't win Twister when I'm not positive he has like a normal human body. <laughs> he seems to have a flesh and bone body that seems to have the same rules as being a human. Which I'm just like, you are playing by the wrong rules, Def. He should be able to win Clue, but I guess he was feeling pressure. Like, Battleship, he, again, you should be able to win that one if, you've got a, if you're got modestly smart. Well, I mean, you know, they play... Like, Battleship's pretty even odds, unless you're playing against someone who's pretty stupid. And they're stupid, but they're not, like, stupid. I can't... I place all my ships in the same place. They place in a line, and they uh, don't finish anything off. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they win every game against death. And so, Electric Football isn't a game as far as I can tell, actually. It is, it's just not a good game. Well, yeah, I mean, three, three of those games still exist. So electric Football is just one of those classic games. And it came out a few years after that as, like, the little digital handheld football. It's the same premise. Um, in any case, apparently that just doesn't lend them their souls back, but it wins them death as their servant. Which is pretty broken fucking rules when death is that bad at games. It doesn't seem like that's part of the rules that he initially laid out, but apparently well, he just goes along with it. Well, he, he introduces it, and I think that's because he knows he fucked up, because he should have just given them their souls back after they won Battleship, and he's just a sore fucking loser. He is. You could just go with chess. <laughs> well, they get to pick, I think. Yeah, it's so, any kind of challenge, so... That's right. So, he take, they, they realize that they can't beat the evil robot thems. So, 
they need someone who can build good robot thems. So death takes them to heaven, which seems to be a pretty enlightened place. They mug three people to steal their clothes so they can look more respectable. Get in and then immediately admit to God that that's what they did. So I suppose good on them. And he leads them to station, which is two and sometimes one alien beings that are apparently the best scientists in the galaxy. They take them to a Home Depot analog in the present so that they can stock up on dustbusters and other various electric supplies. And they build good robot thems. Crash the Battle of the Bands, defeat the bad guy, the bad robots, then defeat the evil gym teacher by playing a risky game of time travel. I'm going to go back into the past and set things up. Which they pull the best line at the end of, yeah, whoever wins gets to put the do the last thing. Yep. And if you said you won, you won at that point. Yep. <laughs> Which means they really can't pull that off in the third one, because if I'm the bad guy, the first thing I'm going to do is be like, well, I win. <laughs> but they then they realize they're in the middle of the stage, and they still don't know how to play their instruments. So they finally do what they always should have done, which is use the time booth to go somewhere. It's been 16 months learning how to fucking play their instruments. They come back married to the princesses with little babies. I guess there was not um, birth control in wherever they went. And they play some other band song. But they do it well. Yeah, they play well and they, you know, create civilization. And then you get newspaper reels that I'm guessing we're not supposed to actually believe are factual since, you know, there's a third movie coming out, but... Well, we don't know what a third movie's going to do. I assume that that's what you're supposed to believe is true. But, you yeah, know, where they they formed their band with Death and Station and the princesses... You, by the way, do you have, like, my only problem with this whole fucking movie, really, aside from, like, what I had already mentioned, mm -hmm. is that they introduced themselves... Death and Station and never introduced the princesses on stage they, in the final act. Yeah, they apparently are not in the band anymore. <laughs> Even though they're playing drums and keyboard, I believe, brilliantly. Yeah, they're, they're the competent two. They probably just, them have like a guitar. Well, you know what it is. They're mothers now, so they just, they're, they, they're no longer people. Yeah, they've lost people rights. No, I, I I did have a problem with that. I wish they would have just like it would have taken six seconds. An yeah, another <laughs> minute of film. Were you limited on how much film you could use for the movie? And they they, they succeed. The world is utopia. They end up playing at Mars. Death breaks away for a solo album, fails, and comes back to the band. Because Death is a very petty, petulant person in this film. It really is. I love William Sattler's death. <laughs> like, my favorite is when they're thanking Station, and he's just behind them. It's like, I, I pushed the cars! Uh-huh. Just being sad and whiny the entire... Like, once he's there. He is! It's great. I loved it. But in any case, they, um... So that's that's Bill and Ted face the music. That's a little... Focus journey. Greater... Sorry. Damn it. I keep on opening the wrong way here. We're, go we're gonna get to face the music eventually. That is Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Uh, 
and it's it's fun and relatively innocent, and it's it doesn't quite have the same magic as the first one, but it's still in the spirit of the first one. I feel like a decent film as far as the other one is a decent film. I, I'm glad it went away from the core premise of time travel. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it. If you just did, they had to do another history project. It would have felt a lot weaker. Right. And that you definitely tried something a little weirder. Like, you tried this sort of spiritual journey element to it. Like, could you have gone a little more off base? Probably. But you, A, you were probably under a lot of pressure to get a film out in two years. True. And you look at this incredibly weird... Like, both of these films are really weird and really creative in everything they're doing. Yes. As we said, two evil robot time travel movies in the same month came out. Nothing alike. (laughs) And really good visual effect the entire in both films. Yeah, I enjoyed the visual effects. Like they they both hold up really well. I got you know it's it's not as punchy as the first film, but I think it's still good. Mm Mm-hmm. It still holds to the spirit of the first film. You don't, like, they don't become bad people. It still maintains the same, you know, message of, you know, be excellent to each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, if you like the first one, watch the second one. It's not for the third one, definitely on my radar, the thing I should see. And holy crap, Keanu Reeves has not aged. I know it's, like, a meme, but it's true. I mean, he has. He's just, aged as much as he wanted to age. Right, He he's aged in such a way that, like, you could believe him to be a creature that is supposed to live hundreds and hundreds of years, as opposed to, you know, 80. Yes. Like, he's aged, but he's aged like 20 years in the last 40. <laughs> he's aged precisely as much as he wanted to age. And has gone through several career, like, parodies in the, in the meantime. And this is actually the movie, there's a couple out there, but this is one of the significant ones. Like, Keanu Reeves continually gets ragged that he's a wooden actor. And what this has proved to me is that it may be the directors who are directing him who are asking what they're asking from him. Because he's not wooden at all in this. He gets, I think he got typecast a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's a favorite typecast, I think, too, because of this film. Right, but he, so he, like, yes, is, is he less emotive in some movies? Absolutely, but he's he's very emotive in this movie, so I, I feel like that's more of a testament to what he's being cast in and how the directors are asking him to do things than his capabilities. Because he is just fun-loving and fancy-free in this film. Yeah, then you can see him just, you know, be, be a killer in the John Wick films. Yes, he, you can see him just straight up murder folk over a puppy in the John Wick. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> but yeah, he, it's, it's weird to see an actor who has had such a who has had fear of typecast his entire career, instead of have three big distinct roles he's done multiple times. Yeah, and I'm like looking at some of this stuff, and like he's just had such a a broad career. It's been so fucking broad, like. You know, because he did, like, the Point Break Speed-style movies. 
he never really did anything like this again. He never did any kind of comedic movies after that. No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. And he has good comedic timing and chops. He should do. It, I, I could see him doing more of that at some point. Yeah, I can't wait to see him in this new Bill and Ted movie because this is the first time you've seen Keanu Reeves in like a true comedy in decades. Like he does do like a little. He's done a little bit of romantic comedy, but that's not quite the same thing. No, because I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't see him as a branded comedy person, but uh, you know he's. Most of the time has been either action or you know films. In the meantime, action and thriller. Yeah, and now he's got like he's got somebody coming back. Like he's he's got um, Bill's had face the music, and he's got the Matrix Four. And then you know he's just always going to be doing John Wick. Yeah, they just keep making those until he <laughs> whenever he wants a paycheck. It's just, well, it's not even like. I don't, like, from what I understand of him, it's not even like, I need the money, it's more like, I'd really like to give to this thing, so, just, I need more money to give. <laughs> John Wick 5, for charity. And it seems like that's what it is. Like, like, he gives away so much of his money. He just wants some fucking motorcycles, and to chill out, find a good park bench. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, like, I, I definitely subscribe to the Keanu Reeves' awesome subreddit. <laughs> he's definitely earned it. I don't know if it's, like, a nostalgia or a revelation to people. Like he's a good he's a good to great actor. He is. People still don't believe that, though. They really don't. Especially, you know, especially because he did, um, oh, God, uh, what is that, uh... They in the Earth still? No, uh, well, yes, but... Dracula was the first one. Ah. The, um, the one by Coppola. Mm-hmm. Because he's, like, he's, like, he's very wooden in that one. And people are just like, he is such a bad actor in this movie. And I'm like, the whole movie's crap. I don't know. <laughs> if you're arguing someone's wooden based on stuff they did 20-plus years ago now, or 30-plus years ago, you know, 20 or 30 years ago now, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily fair. Well, you get that, and you, I think you get a lot of bad acting accusations from The Matrix, where I'm just like, well, you know, he's, like, I think that inherently that's part of the character, too. Yeah, that, that is the Neo character, what he's doing there. It works well for that character. But, in any case, we'll, we'll, talk, slaps, we'll talk about that when we get The Matrix. comedy film with, uh... Oh, I can't wait. Like, some sort of slapstick comedy where he is in a Roger Rabbit sequel. Well, he's doing Spongebob. Sponge on the run. I don't know who he's playing, but... Is he playing... Is he live action, though? No, no. Um, he did... And he did, like, a fun... I think he did a fun... He did Duke Kaboom in Toy Story 4. I haven't seen it, but... I, yeah, I, haven't seen Story, I didn't have... I, I, I've heard good things about Toy Story 4. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But, uh, but this is, like... This Bill and Ted Face the Music is going to be his first... As far as I'm aware, if I'm wrong, please tell me, because I'd love to go watch it. But his first, like, just pure comedy in a couple decades. Yeah, first live-action comedy, for sure. Yes, live-action, I'll point out. I mean, Toy Story, I'm sure I will, like, you know, cry and use a box of tissues for Toy Story 4. Because the Pixar uh, film, and that's what they do to you if they're good. Uh, apparently, like, Duke Kaboom is a pretty fun character. But... Yeah, the name is Duke Kaboom. 
<laughs> I think he's like that classic like stunt motorcycle like, like action figure. Like the evil evil stunt cycle that you know tears your fingers off. Yes, I think that's who he's supposed to be. <laughs> but we'll find out. Um, in any case, if you haven't ever seen these movies, I don't care. Like, like Vincenzo has proven to you, it doesn't matter what age group you're from. <laughs> You should watch them. If they're really, they're entertaining. Again, the first one I wish was streaming free somewhere. The second one is on is on Prime. It, you can like what I did. Um, I did it for a different reason, but I, I conveniently was blessed by this. When you subscribe to channels from Amazon, you get a week for free. Mm-hmm. So you can just subscribe to I think it's Stars and watch it for free for a week. Yeah, you can get it for free for a week for sure. I wish I could be like, hey, Nef, here's on Netflix, just go fucking watch Excellent Adventure. Because yeah, weirdly, I had a um, I had a craving to watch some episodes of the Transformers cartoon, the original one. Oh, G1? <laughs> yeah, and they, had, they have those on, um, on Stars. Yeah, there are so many fucking Transformers things. There are. Um, it's, it doesn't hold, it didn't. Like, I'm, I'm watching them, like, wow, I bad shit taste as a child. If you want to, <laughs> the thing that holds up is the movie. The movie holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And also, that's much better animated as, you know, Leonard Nimoy in it. True, true, true. And it. co-star of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Frank Welker, is also in it. <laughs> Who, because, there's a, because there's an animal noise in this film, he's in it. He, 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 he plays <laughs> Satan in this film. <laughs> Does he? I didn't Frank, Frank Welker is Satan in, in uh, Bogus Journey. Excellent. Again, if there's ever a growling like noise, it's Frank Welker. In any, in anything, literally anything. Well, we were just watching. Um, we watched the 1993 Three Musketeers film mm-hmm. last night because I just felt like watching. Um, I can't remember what his name is now, but. One of the actors in it. Oliver Platt is in it, and Oliver Platt is always hysterical, but... I want to say, is Alan Rickman in that one? No. No, that's um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. Look, there's a lot of 90s films that are very British. Well, that's... that. You bring up the point I wanted to make, Ed, which is that one of the characters who plays, like, um, he plays, like, the evil henchman, mm-hmm. plays the evil henchman, like, apparently in, like, every movie in the 90s, because he's also the evil henchman in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kiefer Sutherland. I felt like watching Kiefer Sutherland. I hadn't seen Dark City too many times. Uh, you didn't want to just go into the world of 24? Never. I will never do that. Not even for you. Oh, come on, you, get, you can get someone who's like, kid, you know, get yourself kidnapped by a cougar. I have, we haven't done the clock yet um, for a while. What's my clock? Like, how many how many years do I have before I have to watch My Little Pony? Uh, two. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is eminent. I think that, that, that this week, actually. You've got, you've got two years to find an escape route before you watch season one of My Little Pony. Friendship is magic. <laughs> the suicide pills. <laughs> Oh, 20 episodes of a show that people liked or death. <laughs> Eight years we've been doing this. That's amazing. We've been doing this for a very long time. And I'm not counting 2011 as our first year. I'm counting 2012 as the first year. That's fair. And I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't see us not hitting 10. So, man, our 10th year better be hella fun. <laughs> you just, again, you can always just pull the lever now and just do it now. <laughs> no, I think that, no, I would... I will feel that's so much more great if we actually wait the 10 years. 
a joke that was made ten years ago is fulfilled. Tell me that wouldn't be just amazingly satisfying. It would. It would be satisfying, and and at that point, that show will be so irrelevant to to like then current pop culture. <laughs> which makes it even funner. Which, which makes it entirely like to how we do our podcast. Pretty much. <laughs> we're not doing this because a new movie is coming out. We're doing this because we watched another older film that this film references, and I felt that I needed to see these films. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was it was definitely something that I would have wanted you to see at some point, but it wasn't on the it wasn't really on the fast track. Well, the death of uh, Max von Sydow moved it up a little bit weirdly. Yeah, but I want. Someone who's better than we are to really do, like, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Really examine the shit out of that. I mean, again, given that I hadn't seen Bogus Journey, I wouldn't ever make the connection of evil robot time travel films from July 91. <laughs> um, in the meantime, we've got some fun stuff coming up, so... Keep an ear out, and I hope you're all staying safe out there. Um, everyone who I'm seeing on Twitter, you're working too hard. Calm down a little. Relax. No, Twitter's the rage machine. <laughs> but in any case, oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm really sorry that we can't be friends anymore, Vince, but coffee is absurdly horrible tasting, and I will never stop, I will never stop believing that. <laughs> Coffee is just horrible. You can have all of my coffee all the time. Honestly, you can have all my beer, too, because I've just... Actually, I've yet... I've done a couple of these taste tests with you guys, and I have yet to find a beer that I remotely like. I can stomach Smithix. Does that count as having some taste? I don't know. You're talking to... Uh... To the future, so you might get your, your results in, like, September. That's true enough. Given that, you know, people aren't listening to podcasts anymore. No? Well, people aren't, again, people aren't going on a commute anymore, and when else do you really listen to a podcast? It's true. So. You're going to have, all you people out there, when you finally listen to this, just have to figure out a different, met, like, time to listen to your podcasts. Maybe take take an hour for yourself every morning. I just other people screaming at you. <laughs> but in any case, thank you all for continuing to listen. And we will continue to shout out into the ether. And we have one comment from Goku. Oh, do we? Station? Station! Station! <laughs> that was... I love how they suddenly start that. Like, you have no idea what they're talking about for half the movie. And even by the end of the movie, it doesn't quite make sense. But you just you have to go with it. Sure. That's the entire ethos of, the, of, this, of these films. Of Just go with it. Station. Station. <laughs> the man who can prove one word can mean anything. <laughs> I like the Grim Reaper's little, little, little poem, too. That was fun. Yeah, I am sure that, that film is not as beloved as, uh, you know, that it get, it get people poo-poo it. It's true. Like, I don't know, but William Sadler is is a genius in it, and, like, it's just well-written, and it's it's really, it's really well done. It's, 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 
about as funny as the first one. It has a different conceit. It does, but it, it they they fit well together. They're good bookends. They, they, they work well together because they're not the same film. They're not just doing time travel to history points again. Mm-hmm. And I, I look forward to seeing how they make the third one different because I, I believe they'll like. I have no evidence that they're not going to do a good job. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I look forward to being disappointed in August. <laughs> But, but Keanu Reeves has had a good track record for the past, you know, while. He does. I like so many of his films. I really do. Keanu Reeves is just, I love so many of his films. I wonder, does he do much TV or is it all film? I think he's pretty much just a film guy. He did a little bit of TV, but nothing like. You know, he might get a TV deal someday, but I think he's fine just doing... He played 13 episodes of a TV show called Swedish Dicks in, between 2016 and 18. It's okay. comedy. Okay. From Sweden. Does he speak Swedish? Or is he just a pike of every, every skill actually in real life? <laughs> the plot follows two unlicensed Swedish private investigators trying to make a living in Los Angeles. And he plays Rex. Whoever the fuck that is. Well, you know what? You have a mission. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure I'm that. In the, you know, that might be too much. Next time I'll consider. So Swedish dicks, best show ever. <laughs> we'll see. Watch it all in the afternoon. Uh. Well, we'll see then. But in the meantime, thank you all again. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with more entertainment next time. Hey, everyone. I know it's been a while since uh, Anime News Network's Zach Burgey passed away, but I think this was the first episode we recorded after uh, that passing, and so I know we released a few since then, but I think, at least for me, this episode had a mental connection to him. Um, he was a fan of these films and sort of held a deep philosophy to them, I don't quite know what to say that hasn't already been said about him. I never had the pleasure of meeting him in person, but had followed uh, his career in this fandom for a very long time, and um, sort of drew some inspiration from his uh, transformation over the past few years. Want to hear more, sort of, Struck. You know, a lot of people uh, bared a lot of emotion about him at his memorial, which is the final episode of the ANCAST, and I'd encourage you to listen to that. But, um, it's... Just, um, reach out to those close to you. You might not know who needs that call or that text at that moment, but it's uh, helpful to be there for them. Thank you.